Good morning and welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, May 19th. My name is Maddie Love, and with me in studio is Hertzy Hertz. And we are excited to be joined via Skype by Dave Warnock, a former pastor, now atheist, who is sharing what remains of his life with us, or as Dave puts it, dying out loud. This is an open conversation. We welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone calls to 952-946-6205, your emails to radio at mnatheist.org, comment on the Facebook thread, or tweet us at Atheist Talk. Hertzy, thanks for joining me in studio. And Dave, thanks for spending the hour with us on the wet, damp, and chilly Minnesota morning. Good morning. You are out in Tennessee, right? Nashville, yes. We're actually in the same time zone. Oh. Um, yeah, we're central as well. I'm sorry. And uh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nice here today. It's not raining, so that's always good. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll trade if you want. No. No. No, thanks. No, okay. I like the rain. I do too, but I just planted yesterday. Yeah, they need the rain. Not yeah, like, not forty degree thing. rain. Yeah, no. I also heard there this might is, be frost. This is November rain. Wow. Yeah. Frost in May. That's yeah. that's yeah. just wrong. Yeah. No. Welcome no. to Minnesota. I mean, unless you're a Nebraska football fan, but that's different. <laughs> see, um, see, there can't be cli- there can't be global warming with that kind of stuff going on. Come on. <laughs> 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 yes, we went there. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of oh. I wanted to kind of start out this morning uh, because of the topic that we're going to have by stating the obvious for anybody listening that death kind of sucks and that, it exists, <laughs> and that like I'm personally not looking forward to it, but <laughs> it's kind of inevitable. Inevitable. I I feel like I'm I'm almost looking forward to to the actual to the after to the die part that I think I'm, I'm... no um, but what I was wondering <laughs> well, is you I mean you're coming on air with us today to talk about this whole process and what you're going through in your life and whatnot but right. like how are you handling this so well uh, so well I don't know I, I've, I've been asked that a lot and I've been told how you know all that is how amazing I, I really don't know that I'm handling it well. I'm just handling it like I'm handling it. It's just me, and that's it's my normal. So I don't know what anyone else would do or should do, but for me, it was just it made sense to just accept it and um, get busy living because the time is shortened. And you know, we all kind of know in our we have these theories that time is short, life is precious, and all that. We say those things, but we don't typically live that way. We live as though the days are going to go on ad infinitum. And when you find out they're really not, and you kind of have a real window into that, you, you get a little glimpse. Uh, it, it kind of takes all the unimportant peripheral stuff. It takes it away really quick. At least it did for me. And so my focus began, be, became how, how, how well can I live as long as I can live well and get, get busy living. And so the focus hasn't been on the dying, although every now and then – my body reminds me that it's 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 going haywire, and so it, it's a sobering moment. But for the most part, I'd say 90, 95% of my time, I'm very positive and upbeat and loving life. So this may sound like a ridiculous question, but like, how has this diagnosis like changed your outlook on life? Or has it? Well, it really hasn't. It's just kind of amp- – it's, it's magnified it or it's – it's put it. I've been living. I've been living by a couple of mantras: "Carpe the frickin' diem," uh, and and grab the moments because life is about the moments. And I've been living that way for several years. Um, I've kind of rebooted my life uh, two or three years ago, and I've been focused on really magnifying the moments in life that are that are beautiful and making note of them and and recognizing them. So this diagnosis. It didn't really change the way I was living. It just, I just accelerated everything, you know, and just put everything else uh, uh, to the side. I quit work. I quit my job. I mean, I had, I was an insurance broker and an independent agent, and so I just basically retired and um, and put all the stuff to, uh, aside that I didn't want to spend time doing, and now I'm spending time doing what I want to do. Period. So. Setting aside the actual having to die, die 
die thing because that you know sucks because and that's really shitty <clears throat> terrible um thank you sam uh <laughs> but if you could compare like the next two years of your life with what the next two years of your life would have been had you not received this diagnosis do you think this diagnosis helped like spark like you to live your life and in, in, in the way like you talked about these just being mantras that that you were trying to live your life as but were more theories like did you do you think that that it's helped sh- like help you shed parts of like the way society wanted you to live so you could like do the things you really wanted to do yeah in a, in a way i think it's a good question in a way that in a way it has because like i said i retired i quit working i quit most of us spend the biggest part of our time and energy on making a living, you know, so that we can pay bills and eat and those things that are somewhat important. Um, and and I got, in in a way, I kind of have a gift in that I I got to quit doing that, and um, so it it sparks something in me where I am able to, uh, like I said, just accelerate the process that I was living and the things I was focused on. And just put aside everything that didn't contribute to that. And so I'll travel more, in other words. So the next two years of my life will look different than they would have in the, in the way in, with the fact that I'll travel more. I'll spend longer time with people going to visit them or sitting with them. I linger in conversations longer. I'm not in a hurry to, to, uh, to do my own thing. I, just, I, I value the, the contact with people that a lot more than I used to, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, you know, uh, the conversation I'm having with this person or this person I is, isn't somebody that I enjoy being around and I'm going to shorten this conversation or I'm going to skip this. Eliminate them all together. Yes. Yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've really, I've quit doing that. Um, and, and I don't, I don't spend time with people I don't want to spend time with. And and I don't have to apologize for that, and I don't I don't make excuses for that. I just say no. I I don't want to talk to you. I don't tell them that to their face. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't call them back <laughs> or whatever or whatever it is. And it and it on the surface it may seem rude, and and my girlfriend tells me I'm rude rude about that. But um, <laughs> I just when I'm done I'm done. I, we were we were visiting with someone the other day, and in my mind, okay. This conversation's over. I'm going to go now. Bye. And and it's, she's like, what? That was, that was just so rude. <laughs> but people that know me know that when Dave's done with something, he's done. And he's moving on to the next thing. Because life is short. I don't have time to waste. And that's kind of how it feels now. Yeah, I I actually have been going by that philosophy for a while of, you know, it's, it's, there have been people in my life who, you know, like I had one person I grew up with and at one point she was like, well, why won't you friend me on MySpace or Facebook or whatever? And I'm like, cause I usually keep that for my friends and (laughs) (laughs) she wasn't, she was not thrilled. No, no. Um, But to be honest, she was also a really terrible friend throughout our childhood. So, you know, the, the idea that I you spend time with people who are poisonous in a sense. You shouldn't have mm-hmm. to do that. No. And there's no rule that says you have to spend time with people that are toxic or that drain you of energy. And and for me right now at this stage in my journey, I do not have the energy to to spare. Um, for So if people are in my life that are going to drain me of energy and not contribute to me, and it's not all about me because I, I can drain people of energy too. I know that we are all human and we, we have these faults and and weaknesses. But uh, for me personally, I'm just not going to spend time in relationships and with people and doing things and going places that I don't want to to spend time doing. I'm just I don't have that to spare anymore. So we we've talked about that you're dying, um, but I, I realize at no point did we share with the audience like what what you're actually dying of or like what your process is. Um, do you want to share your diagnosis with, with the audience? Yes, it's ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, if, if your audience is like most people that I've shared that with, they kind of, most people have kind of a sense of what it's, it's something, you know, they don't really know what it is. They kind of know it's a neuro, neurological disease and it's, it's a fatal 
disease, and but they don't know the details of it. And so it takes Googling, typically, for people to realize, oh, shit, this is really oh, – I, <laughs> I did it first. Uh, okay. okay. I'll be busy tonight or to this <laughs> <Yeah>. morning. <laughs> Massive editing on this. <laughs> um, no, it's it's just something that you don't realize how bad it is until you you know do a little research, and so you know that the the it's a very unpredictable disease. It it, it attacks the body's uh, muscle nerve communication system, and your muscles quit working, and it can start in the hands or the feet or the tongue. Those are the three areas that it seems to attack, and it's in different order with different people. The progression of it is different. It can be slow. It can be fast. Uh, and it's it average three to five years of life after onset of symptoms. So it's – and, you know, the, the latter part of that life is typically pretty ugly because you lose the ability to do anything whatsoever. And you're just basically, you know, uh, par- paralysis is pretty much you, – you can't, you can't function. So that's kind of the, the short, short version of that. We only have about uh, 20 seconds left before we go to break, but did you, like, how long ago did you receive this diagnosis? It's been about three months now. Oh. All right. Well, we are going to go to break on that. When we come back, we're going to have some more sobering, but also happy, fun discussions, too, I hope. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, please say this to the break. Curtsy and I will return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Dave Warnock. You're listening to AM950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Paul Metzer telling you about a great event called Boom Boom Outgoes Childhood Cancer Number 9, a benefit for St. Jude's Children's Hospital Research Center in Memphis, Tennessee. It's happening at Grumpy's Northeast Saturday, June 8, 2019, 1 to 8 p.m. $10 at the door features great musicians like Alicia Corbett, Tiny Darling, Porcupine, and Tom Nichols. Grumpy's is located at the corner of 22nd Avenue and 4th Street, the coolest club in town for a great event. Make it on down. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really gotta go, but you're stuck inside. That's why I had my human call the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. Woo, woo, woo. Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe, and I'm the owner of Cucumbers Restaurant at 75th and Francine Dinah. If you've never been to Cucumbers, it's a buffet-style restaurant with a huge variety of salads, homemade soups, bakery items, and hot entrees that change daily and nightly. Plus, our always fresh fruit and delicious ice cream. We're open for lunch and dinner, but Sunday brunch is my favorite time at Cucumbers. With scrambled eggs, waffles, French toast, bacon, sausage, baked ham, chicken fajitas, brunch potatoes, warm gooey cinnamon rolls, and many other items to choose from, it's no wonder why Cucumbers has always been a popular Sunday destination. So whether you're looking to skip Mass, someplace to go after Mass, or just great food to maintain your Mass, Cucumbers is the answer to your prayers. Bring in your church bulletin or Minnesota Atheist newsletter and receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France in Edina. Don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on humanist issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today. Thank you. 
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, joined in studio by my co-host, Hertzie Hertz. And in just a moment, we'll return to our guest, Dave Warnock, as he shares his life and his experience with the dying process. I know you just finished listening to commercials, but I wanted to give my weekly thank you to both Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina for their support of Atheist Talk. We are supported by Cucumbers in Edina, and their buffet is extraordinary. The staff friendly and the atmosphere perfect for large groups, families, or even just two folks who want to chat after a Sunday morning radio broadcast. If you would like to join us and advertise in this program and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. And now back to Dave Warnock. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, join the thread on Facebook, or tweet us over at Atheist Talk. So Dave, when uh, we jumped to break, we you were just sharing what ALS is, um, which I guess it's one of those like, like you were saying, like most people have to Google it, and I actually had to Google it. And even though I've been around people with ALS, and it was like, okay, but what does this mean, like, an individual versus like, you know, do all the symptoms the same for everybody? And it sounds like they're different for everybody. Yes, absolutely. And you said uh, they go ahead. They start in different places. Like some, I've known note of some. They start in their feet, where they they start stumbling and lose strength in their feet and legs. Some of them start with their mouth, where they uh, they start slurring their speech and have trouble swallowing. Mine started in my fingers and hands. So I, I started. First thing I noticed was uh, a difficulty forming certain letters and numbers in small spaces, like filling out forms in my insurance business, and so. Um, I started, you know, it's the kind of thing where gradually you see this and you see that and you think, well, that's weird. And then you start maybe exercising more because you thought you're getting soft and getting old and all that stuff. And then a singular moment stand out when you can't grip a bowling ball or a golf club and things like that. So symptoms went on for the better part of a year uh, before I, I got the final diagnosis. So I have in my notes that you're a former pastor. How did you did you find like how did you become a pastor in the first place? God just calls you, man. <laughs> Does he call collect? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You pay you pay off the nose all the time with him. Um yeah, nothing's free there. Uh I it was I was caught up in the Jesus movement back in the seventies. I'm an I'm an old fart and um so I, I got I got in all the way and, and I was the kind of Christian that was always all in. I wasn't a pew sitter. I wasn't peripheral. I was 100% into it. And um, and so from the very beginning, I was um, doing street preaching and running coffee houses. I, I went, I put co- uh, college plans aside because I felt like Jesus was coming back any day now, and I had to be busy about his business and save save the lost and build his kingdom. And so... I spent the better part of three and a half decades doing that, and he's still coming back tomorrow. Um, Actually, he's coming back on June 9th. Oh, is that the newest one? That okay. is the newest I, one. And for those in I Minneapolis, can't keep up. I know. For those in Minneapolis, we will be having an end of the world party on June 8th. <laughs> <laughs> More I've, on that later. <laughs> I've thought recently with, late, late, uh, with political issues of late, uh, which are always undergirded by religious conservatism, I've thought... Golly, I wish the rapture was a real thing. I wish they would just go already. Um, <laughs> just fly away, people. Please, just fly away. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, for, for my years as a Christian, I was in evangelical Christianity, very conservative. And a good part of that time, I was either on staff at a church or as a lay leader, teaching Bible uh, classes, leading small groups, preaching, doing worship leading. So I was always... I wasn't always full-time uh, paid clergy, but uh, I was always in leadership, and many times uh, as an associate pastor, and in those different varying roles. But it wasn't—I uh, didn't go to seminary. I didn't have any formal training. I just was self-taught by the Holy Spirit, which you can't get any better than that. That—that <laughs> that, that kind of training, like, like, just gets inside you and takes over yep. your life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm a I'm a former evangelical fundy, and there you go. Yeah, that was 
That was definitely where we were at, too. We actually have a caller on the line. It is a, a Steve from Shoreview, and I think that I know this Steve from Shoreview. Um, <laughs> nah, I don't think it's that Steve. <laughs> Uh, Steve, it we got about. A, it could be an imposter. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's a fascinating conversation. And um, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I missed the uh, guest first name, but. Um, Dave. Dave. And Dave, can you hear Steve? Yes. Hi, Steve. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Hi, Dave. I, I appreciate you talking about the dying process. It's, uh, it's an important conversation. And it's, sometimes it's a difficult conversation, but you're living in it in a very real moment right now and uh, sharing that experience is something of great value and I I appreciate you doing that. My particular question is um, we run into religious people who are very well-meaning and they find somebody in in your situation and and they go, well, I'll pray for you. Oh, you're so blessed that you had this happen because of this or that. And they're really saying it out of sympathy and they have their condition to say something like that and they know no other way to really confront it but they're sincere and then there's people who say i'll pray for you because they want to save your soul mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to mark up okay i'm going to make my way into heaven by saving this person right before they die how do you react to those two different kinds of circumstances because i'm sure you run into it uh, from time to time yeah, that I do actually. Um, it's been a very interesting observation on my part. Uh, I've got most of my family is is still in evangelical Christianity. Uh, my two daughters, my brother, my mom, my sister, um, and 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 their reaction to my diagnosis has been uh, markedly different from from the reaction of my atheist and non-Christian friends in that they don't know what to do with it, like you said, and so their their response is pretty much, we're praying for you, which to me, with them knowing how I feel about that, is very passive-aggressive on their part. But nonetheless, it makes them feel like they've done something. And then after that delivery, they deliver that news to me that they're praying for me, like, like somehow that's going to make me feel better. But then there's total crickets, silence, nothing. They have no words. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And they pretty much are running from this thing and, and, and in many ways in denial of it because what I've learned is that Christians just simply don't know what to do with death. And so they either avoid it, deny it, run from it. Even the Bible talks about death being the final enemy. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And, and that's nonsense. Death is simply the end of your life, and everyone experiences that. My atheist friends are able to embrace it and, and run toward it and get in my pain with me and be involved in my life and not try to deny it or avoid it. And so, when when honestly, when the Christians tell me they're praying for me, I don't even enter into that dialogue because if I did, it'd probably get pretty ugly pretty fast. Because yeah. if if go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, and, well, and guys, I, we have about 30 seconds for a okay, short break. Okay, well, I'll just listen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No, no, thank uh, you for calling in, Steve. really appreciate it. Right. Yeah, and so when, I, when they say they're praying for me, they have to either be praying for one of two things, that God will heal me. Oh, nope. we lost him. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, Steve is just going to listen online. We'll actually finish oh, okay. this up on the other side of the break. So please stay with us. Okay. Hertzie and I will return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Dave Warnock. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. <laughs> Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake 
Connections radio show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show. And together, we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Atheists, secular humanists, and free thinkers. Here you are listening to the Minnesota Atheists Talk Radio Show. Atheists Talk. We hope you are enjoying it. If having a frankly atheist perspective on the radio waves appeals to you, please consider making a contribution to our radio fund. Our contract came up for renewal, and we need your help if you want the program to stay on the air. That will make sure that you can continue to have opportunities to hear interesting speakers with non-religious perspectives, and you can call up and ask them questions, too. Get the details on our website at minnesotaatheists.org, where you will find buttons to make it easy to make a secure donation through PayPal. Or, if you have a business and would like to reach an intelligent, progressive audience, please contact us through our website. That's minnesotaatheists.org. Or call us at 612-588-7031. If you are interested in us, we are interested in you. Don't believe in God? Join the club. Humanists, atheists, and freethinkers have joined the American Humanist Association since 1941 to advocate for progressive values and equality for non-theists in America. Located in Washington, D.C., the American Humanist Association lobbies Congress on humanist issues, protects the rights of atheists in the courts, and supports more than 140 local chapters. Visit us at AmericanHumanist.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter to learn how you can join the club today. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we got rain with a high near 44. Tonight's cloudy with a low around 36. Tomorrow sunny with a high near 62. Tuesday showers with a high near 57. And Wednesday chance of thunderstorms with a high near 73. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is The Great Wall. The Great Wall has been providing a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, stop by their Edina location or call for takeout. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio with Hertzie Hertz, and we're chatting via Skype with former pastor and now atheist Dave Warnock, who is sharing what his life is like after receiving a diagnosis of ALS. If you'd like to chat with us this morning, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, find the thread over on Facebook, or tweet us at Atheist Talk. Oh. Before we return to Dave, I wanted to also thank our group of dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You help keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcast. This week, we'd like to thank sustaining donor Cindy for her support. Thank you, Cindy. You are definitely appreciated. If you're able to help with a donation, please consider doing so at our radio fund page or our Patreon, where you can get extended interviews oh, really? at patreon.com slash Atheist Talk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We couldn't do the show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael Davids and is used with permission. Please note, all opinions are of guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the Minnesota Atheist Organization. Mischief managed, let's get back to Dave Warnock. Dave, I, I had to cut you off uh, yep. right before we went to break. I'm very sorry about that. Did you want to go ahead and uh, finish up what you, were, what you were talking about? I'd have to remember what it was first, wouldn't I? Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> so, uh, I just, I, I don't know what we were talking about, honestly. Um I think it was the difference in the reaction between Christians and atheists. To exactly. My and, and, yeah. and to be fair, I feel like that's something that, like, I even, like, I, I know we attribute it to Christians and, that, and, like, the way Christians will talk about it and then run away from it because, like, oh, now that I have to talk about, like, actually, like, caring about people rather than just saying I care about people. But I feel like that's maybe something that that I would probably have this sometimes have a hard time with, too, and feeling uncomfortable like you, you've made it clear that you're very open about chatting about this and like what your outlook on on what remains of your life is. Yeah, but I don't I don't know that that's something that everybody who is diagnosed with ALS probably shares. Like I don't want to assume that. Well, Dave is yeah, like this. I, so. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. What what I attribute their reluctance to deal with death to is that 
the, and, and when I talk about Christianity, I talk about the tribe that I was in, which is evangelicalism, conservatism. So I know that there, you know, I know that Christianity is like autism. There's a spectrum. Um, but the evangelical brand was is has a fetish for the afterlife. It's all about eternity, either heaven or hell, um, and they're very concerned with where you spend eternity. And so what that does by default is it minimizes the value of this life, this life we know we have. And so when they, when they confront the end of this life and there's a fatal diagnosis, then they just don't know what to do. They don't know how to get involved in that. They don't know how to, to maximize that because to them it's just a warm-up for eternity. This is just a preseason football game. It doesn't really matter. And so they, they, it doesn't have the value that it has to those of us who see this life as the only life we have and that every minute, every day is precious. And, and so they just kind of shove this aside and, and then they, they, they have to be thinking, well, we just need to pray that Dave gets right with God before he dies so that he goes to the good place and not the bad place. <laughs> um. I don't know how many ties you still have with that community, but do you still have people who have come to you and been, you know, trying to get you to kind of event or like to evangelize to you to try and get you over? You know, you would think they would, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strangest thing. They're all concerned. I don't have a lot of ties. I've got some holdover Christian friends who still accept me. And when I say holdovers, I'm talking about people that were in my church that that accept me for who I am as an atheist and they don't shun me or run from me. And then I've got some family members who are connected with me. But you would think that if they're really concerned that when I die, I'm going to go to hell, you would think they'd be banging down my door and calling me night and day and saying, Dave, let's talk. We need to talk about this. this is very important. But they're silent. So I really can't figure out what they really think. And it's I, I think that they're so confused and they're so conflicted about what really is true. I mean, I really want to have a conversation with my mom or my evangelical pastor brother um, and, and just look them in the face and say, what do you think's going to happen to me when I die? I and I want to force them to answer that with, well, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I and I don't think they can. I'm sorry, I can't. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I think a lot of times what people, especially people who are closer, you know, we, I mean, we, have, we all do mental backflips for certain things and such. But I think that's one of the big things is they're like, oh, well, an exception will be made. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's where they would go. And they would say things like, well, God is the one who ultimately decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And I'm not one to say that. And who knows? What's really in your heart, and who knows what it's going to be like at the end, that deathbed conversion, which I plan to have a YouTube video made <laughs> that uh, says, oh, no, I didn't. Don't let anybody tell you I did. <laughs> do you uh, – Going all Christopher Hitchens on us. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go do see Hitch like on us. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't think he conversion? made a video. No, no, no. He was – I know he worked – up until, yeah. like, as far as he could to make sure people didn't go, oh, he had a deathbed confession. It's like, no, no. Well, there was somebody that wrote a book asserting or implying that he did. Yeah. And, you know, they made money off of that. That's so gross. Char charlatans, I know. Disgusting. That's like, and that's double gross. It's double gross, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, no, I think you're right, though. They say that there's exceptions, and God knows, and God's the one that makes the ultimate decision. But I, I just hold them to their own theology is what I do, because your theology says, if you're going to be true to your religion, your theology says that if I die as an atheist, and I know better, I know who Jesus is, and I know what his claim is, and I reject that claim, then I'm going to hell. That's what your theology says. And, and if you want to if you want to be inconsistent with your theology, then you have to live with yourself. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I was, I, I lived that theology for a long time, and I believed that theology, but it's just such a, a perverse way of looking at the world to, 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 uh, oh. to on one with one side of your mouth talk about how much you love and care about people, exactly, and the other side of your mouth like basically writing people out of the world. I see. I got. Yeah. You could almost say I got lucky. I grew up Catholic. Also, my, yeah. Maddie's met my parents. They're 
even back then they were fairly they're very liberal catholic so catholicism kind of created like a like a, a backup for this because you know the truly bad <laughs> yeah. people they go to hell and then if you just don't believe you went to uh, purgatory purgatory yeah. however even that has its own because i met this person when i was 16 who was like this amazing and wonderful person they were also a wicked mm-hmm. and they're going to hell well, except for that, no. no. You just don't know which one. No, they went to purgatory. Purgatory is hell, hell light. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's it's not quite so bad because all you're dealing with is the not having God with you. Right, and it's like a temporary yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So there was actually a point where, because there was a prayer that would release, you know, X number of souls from purgatory. Oh, my God. And I, I would be <laughs> sitting on the bus and I would be sitting and I would be doing it. And there was a point where I was kind of like, this is, this is, this is. This is asinine. What the heck yeah. am I? There, there was a couple of points I was like, "This is this is ridiculous. What am I doing?" <laughs> I know. Yeah, when we stop and look at our religion from another angle instead of from being immersed in it, we start thinking, "My goodness, how ridiculous was that thing I believed? How ridiculous!" You know, we we would look at Scientology and say, "Oh, they're so that's it, those idiots. How can they believe that a spaceship?" came down to earth and delivered something or had those Mormons, you know, that's so, so silly that they would believe that golden tablets were delivered. And, but, you know, it's perfectly rational to believe that God impregnated a virgin and created a brand new religion from that. So, yeah, that's logical. Well, but that yeah, other stuff's not. A snake told me that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, I guess this, we could, what was your deconversion story like? Like, how did you go from being... I'm assuming that this your deconversion happened before your diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, it's been about eight years since I've been out of Christianity. Um, I was, I, I was, I had a staff position at a church, and I was uh, leading one of their satellite congregations, and I'd done that for a, a year or two, and got crossways with the pastor because uh, he's a uh, manip- manipulative narcissist, and he and I just did not get along well. So he fired me for the sin of of independence. And um, when that happened, my two older daughters uh, are married to men at the time that were interns in their program to be young, up-and-coming pastors. And he essentially turned them against me, and my daughters began to shun me and my wife. I was I was still married at the time, too. Um, and so that began a process, a very painful process of me... I mean, I went several. We went several years without contact with our daughters, um, and and had a couple of grandchildren at the time, and and so that was well, a very painful process of me looking for help from God because I was still a faithful Christian when this happened, and that began the process in me of really asking some hard questions that I'd never asked, and usually when people deconvert, it's a series of events or things in life like a, a thousand cuts, a death of a thousand cuts. And and so that was the case with me over the years. Things wouldn't add up and I would push it down and another question would surface. You know, it's like a game of whack-a-mole. You knock one down, another one pops up. But uh, so there's this, I finally hit the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to really examine this thing. God, you're not anywhere to be seen. You're not anywhere to be heard. You're not helping me with anything real in my life. And I, I'm just going to really examine this thing I've been believing my whole life. And when I did that, and I put everything on the table, and nothing was off limits, and no question was out of bounds, it, it over the course of a couple of years, and it was a, a long process, it wasn't quick, I came to the conclusion that, wow, he's not there, and he never has been. And it was that final for me. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't wake up the next day and think, oh, well, maybe I just had some bad pizza, or, you know. <laughs> It was a final. It was a final conclusive end for me, and at that point, I realized there is no God. There never has been a God, and I've believed a fairy tale my whole life. Did did the response from any of your family members surprise you? Like you said that your your daughters kind of like cut cut you out of their life, but like, did all your family react the same way? No, uh, different different reactions. Uh, several of them. My brother tried really hard to reconvert me. We had a couple of big, long, hard conversations the first year or two that I was out. Um, he he was convinced he could convince me 
that I, I was missing it and I needed to return to God. And my daughters continue to pray for me to return to God. They still don't have a relationship with me. It's beginning to loosen up a little bit since this diagnosis, uh, as you would think it would, but still there's not relationship there. Um, but my other family members just kind of keep their distance from me. They just don't know what to do with me. Um, and I think the reason for that, and I've experienced that from other friends, other friends of mine have experienced that. When they know someone like me, and they know me well, and my friends are the same way. I've got some that still relate with me, but many of them just leave me alone. Um, because they know how serious I was about my faith. They know that it wasn't just a light thing for me. It was my life. And if that can happen to me, there's this thing in them that wonders, wow, that could happen to me, and it could cost me way more than I want to pay. I better just stay away from this subject altogether. Because I think there's that fear in many Christians that it, it might not be true. Oh, we got and if it's to, not, then I'm messed up. Got to jump to break. We'll return right after the short commercial break. Uh, you're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural, holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture, a single sofa or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Hi, my name is Mickey McCabe. I'm the owner of Cucumbers Restaurant at 75th and France in Edina. Many who have dined at Cucumbers are of the opinion that our buffet has evolved from an older, more country-style buffet. They look at our 50-foot salad bar and can imagine a smaller ancestor with far fewer choices. An ancestor that didn't offer as many hot selections or have a bakery with fresh-baked muffins and breads. Didn't offer homemade soups and lack the fresh fruit and ice cream bar that Cucumbers customers have grown to love. But some will say, where are the transitional buffets? In addition, they look at everything that we offer and say that cucumbers is irreducibly complex. If you were to move just one of our offerings, the entire buffet wouldn't function. Well, I would like to think that cucumbers was intelligently designed, since I helped design it. But at the same time, it truly is an evolutionary step up the buffet ladder. And as always, if you bring in your atheist newsletter or church bulletin, you will receive a $2 discount off the buffet price. Cucumbers, one heavenly buffet at 75th and France, Medina. I've never met another atheist. Sure you have. Non-believers make up 12% of the population. Then where are they? You can meet us at book clubs, pub crawls, discussion groups, movie nights, monthly meetings. Okay, I get it. How am I going to keep track of all this? Easy. Sign up for Minnesota Atheist Meetup Group and subscribe to AWE. What's a meetup group? Meetup is an online networking site that helps people build communities. We have over 700 members with at least two events every week. And what is AWE? It stands for Atheist Weekly Email. It comes out every Friday and lists everything that's going on. How do I sign up? Go to the Minnesota Atheists website, minnesotaatheists.org. On the left, click on the words Get Awe-Inspired. And for the meetup? Look for the red meetup badge on the right. Above it are the words, click here to check out the meetup group. I'm sold. Minnesota Atheists, Meetup, and AWE. What's that website again? MinnesotaAtheists.org. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, and I'm joined in studio by Hertzie Hertz, and we are happy to be joined by former pastor, now atheist, Dave Warnock. Dave, we were chatting uh, before I, once again, cut you off uh, as we went into break, okay. <laughs> a break um, about, you know, how your family was handling, uh, you know, your deconversion uh, process. Did you want to, Can I, I can let you wrap that up, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, that's fine. You kind of have to cut me off. I'm quite verbose. Um, <laughs> we enjoy that, no, though. 
Uh, yeah, that's no. I think that's pretty much we we pretty much wrapped it up. They they just like we were talking about. They don't know what to do with someone who was very devout, who's lost their faith altogether, and they have to put it in. What I think what the, what I think the Christians do is they put us in one of several categories. Either we're mad at God, and we're just angry because He didn't do something for us like that He wanted Him to do, or or uh, whatever. We're having a, a hissy fit when we're just mad at God. And and or we we uh, we just want to sin, uh, we just want to do all the sins, and so we're running from God. Uh, they don't really they can't conceive of the fact that we just simply do not believe anymore, and that scares them. Do you think? That's my opinion. Do you think any of them view your current diagnosis as a punishment? Um, here's the thing about that that I think makes my situation a little bit unique. They, they, there are many Christians who would definitely go there immediately. See what happens when you when you let go of God. See what happens. You open the door to the enemy, and he comes in. But with me, one of my daughters has a very serious stage four cancer, um, and she's had it for three years. She's struggled. She's been battling it with in remission and back and forth and so on. And she's a very devout believer, very strong Christian, very fervent in her faith. Um, so if they put that, if they put me in that category of God's judgment, then what are they going to do with her? Yeah. So the people that are in my family or the, that know me well really can't go there if they're going to be intellectually honest, which may be something they don't really do a lot of. But nonetheless, they they can't really put me in that category if, because then they don't have anything to do with her. See, I. I'm I'm going to be a little mean, Dave. I'm sorry. To me, that just means a lack of thinking because they're test. God is testing her and punishing you. It's very yeah, obvious. Difference. It's very obvious. I know. I don't know how I missed that. I, I, it's so obvious. But no, I know there are those who will do that, and because oh. you have to find, and that's what's what's what I love about being an atheist, among many things. Um, first of all, I get to do all the sins. Um, <laughs> I was going to talk about that in a moment. But, <laughs> Secondly, uh, that that life just makes so much more sense. It's so much less complicated because before you've got to figure out where's God in this. You know, how does God fit into this situation? And so what just what you just talked about is what they have to do. They have to do all kind of mental gymnastics to put her sickness in one category and my sickness in another. And so with me, it's just, oh, this happened. This is how life is. Life is random and chaotic, and this is what happened. Life pretty much works like it would if there were no God. And and it just makes life so much simpler to deal with. You don't have to figure out where, where God is in the equation because he's not. So I, you did mention one of the things I absolutely – that makes me laugh a lot with, um, with Christians when they're talking about atheists. It's, oh, you want to do all the sins. I'm like – how many times do we see these people who are pastors, senators, house, you know, house representatives, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church? Oh my God! Don't get me started. And now on that the one. evangelical churches is coming out. Oh yeah. yes, I think I heard. I think I heard from somewhere. I can't remember where, but somebody was talking about how it was like Franklin Franklin Graham's, Graham's grandson. Yeah. Somebody in the Gra- in the Graham family who has actually been pushing, trying to get this out. And it was like, yeah, you think the Catholic Church is bad. See yeah. the evangelicals. And then, or just as bad. Or just as bad. And there's people who are, you know, back and forth as to, well, the Catholic Church is worse because this or the yeah. evangelical. No, I don't care about religious, that. <laughs> theistic religious power structures. Exactly. That's, yeah. yeah. But my favorite thing with this is I'm like, all of you do all of this, a lot of the sins, you just ask for forgiveness so it's magically They're projecting okay. on us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, I just don't have the guilt when I go and, you know, find somebody I'm attracted to and have sex with them. That's right. okay for me of to do. Of a consenting age and... Yeah, well, yes. We'll, we'll, in this yeah, hypothetical situation, 100% right. legally consenting, etc. Right, 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 right. We, that's implied. But yeah, that's... <laughs> That's uh, that's the thing. We're no better or worse people, and that's I'm kind of on a mission to sanitize the word atheist. Um, for a long time, I used the soft A, agnostic, to define myself, describe myself. But now, I I just boldly say I'm an atheist. It simply means I don't believe in a god. Period. End of sentence. Full stop. 
And, and I want people to see that atheists are good people, that we're not any different, that there's good people and bad people on both sides. They're, well, in fact, no, that's not even true. It's just that we all have good and bad in us, and we all do good and bad things. We all make good, good choices and bad choices, but the people in my life who, who are atheists and ex-Christians, which is, comprises the bulk of my close friends circle now, um, are, 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 are kind and generous and, and compassionate and loving and and good solid people and we're actually going to make a documentary um and do some filming and and conversations about this and show the people i i i have some friends of mine who have i'm actually living in their home who are atheists they open their home they don't have a big fancy home they just said come stay with us we don't think you need to live alone anymore um you know don't pay the money for an apartment Spend that money on travel and come live with us and we'll be there to help take care of you as things get bad. That's that's the most kind, loving thing. Yeah. That is if a there's people I'm do. thinking of, they uh, is is this Cass? Yep. Yeah, Cass is Cass is pretty awesome. I had Cass over on my own podcast and yeah. it's it's such a I, I have found after since leaving the church more love and support from atheists and i feel like it's coming from a place where they're not expecting a reward it's exactly there's no agenda there's no hidden motive it's just let me do the right thing because it's the right thing yeah and mm-hmm. and it's not doing the right thing so that god will give me a reward or i'll avoid some punishment from god it's just doing the right thing because it's the right thing i i get incensed when people tell me that atheists have no morals how do you have morals if you don't believe in god where do you get your moral? And I said, whenever, whenever you can point me to the Bible verse that condemns slavery, then I'll let you just define morality for me from a biblical viewpoint. Until then, we have nothing to talk about. Yeah, I think that is dead on. I, I have you only now for less than a minute. Um, I know. And I'm really bummed about that. <laughs> I, I am too. Here. <laughs> I feel like we could talk the rest of the day. Uh, well, Probably. You, you know, if you want to stick around, we could record some bonus content for our Patreon listeners. We could do something, yeah. I think we, we're we got breakfast lined up here, but we could do some more stuff if oh, you want. Oh well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to impede on, on the rest of your Sunday, and I am going to have to unfortunately let you go. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. We'd love for you to join us again next Sunday. And remember, if you miss an episode live, you can always catch the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheist and hope you enjoyed the show. This show depends on the generous support of our members, sponsors, and donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheist.org. This has been Atheist Talk on AM950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.